Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow is underway on this Thursday edition. We have officially reached the weekend, Chad. We oh, we have. We've made it. Armando Salguero will make it with us. He will be here in uh, about 40 minutes or so for the uh, the first hour of the program. This has been an incredibly it. long week. It has been. Here in uh, Middle Tennessee. I incredibly think I, long week. Feels like many, two weeks in one. Many places across the country, too. Yeah, it feels like it should weather. be Sunday, not Thursday right we now. We should be watching football. But regardless, uh, we're kicking off the weekend here on Hot Mike, as we do every single Thursday, and we're not going to let a little snow or bad weather, not just here, but really almost everywhere across these United States of America, bother us That's right. or get us down about this weekend, because it's going to be a great one. It's been a long week for several coaches too uh in the nfl mike mccarthy though walks into jerry's office walks out and he's staying dallas keeping their their head coach uh when many speculated that jerry was gonna uh, jerry jones was going to part ways tired of having success but not reaching greatness back to back to back 12 win seasons and in this case they lose at home after winning 16 straight games lose at home to the green bay packers they're sent packing, and many thought Mike McCarthy would be. But the recent success, the winning percentage, and comparing that to other Cowboys good teams, not great teams, Jerry Jones released in a statement and said, hey, uh, we're not parting ways with Mike. McCarthy's going to stay. We believe with his leadership and with our organization pulling all in the same direction, we're going to get things turned around in the postseason. I don't know if this is the greatest call to make it to the Super Bowl and win it for Jerry Jones. But in surveying what was available, including Bill Belichick, it is a gutsy one considering the success that is available versus the success that you've had and the ceiling that many feel like the Cowboys have reached despite three straight years of 12 wins. Coaches around the league aren't saying that. Coaches around the league are getting fired for not reaching half as many wins in a season. And for all of the perception of Jerry Jones and the quick trigger, he doesn't really have one. The reality is Jerry Jones isn't what he is, was thought to be. And in 35 seasons, all but two coaches that he has employed have made it into a fourth season. There are coaches that barely make it out of one season now in the NFL. So from the Cowboys' perspective, they have patience. Doesn't feel like it. And at 81 years old, I'm not sure if Jerry Jones has much left, but he's showing it yet again, Chad. And I, for one, am surprised, given the sentiment of everything around that franchise and the pressure on it to win. You think Jerry Jones just gave him the old Commodus from Gladiator, the thumbs up or thumbs down as Mike McCarthy Maybe. came in and then gave him the thumbs up that you're going to be back? Jerry Jones is showing a, an awful lot of uh, personal accountability and self-awareness in this with that statement he released saying, I, I'm accountable for this when we lose in the playoffs early. Everybody is. We're going to make the, the small corrections needed to go on a postseason run while also acknowledging that this team's been very good in the regular season and they've made strides under Mike McCarthy. And there's no denying that. 
They have. They, they've gotten a lot better. Dak Prescott has had some really good seasons. They're choke artists at this point. That, that's what they're going to be. They are chokers until they get over that hump. The only way to do it is to do it. And I completely understand if Jerry Jones is saying, I don't feel confident that me just getting rid of Mike McCarthy and just not acknowledging all the great things he's done with this team in hopes that I get a guy who can maybe get a better game plan together for the playoffs or somehow psychologically get our guys over the hump. He's saying, I don't know that I can do that, and I feel confident that it's just going to be that change that's going to get this team over the hump. It's going to take everyone. It's going to take a better effort by the coaching staff. And Jerry Jones is acknowledging going to take a better effort by us. You know, the roster's good, but where can we get a little bit better? What can we do this offseason to make sure that we don't have another performance like that once it gets to the postseason? Um, I'm, I'm impressed uh, with Jerry Jones on this. The, the awareness, the accountability, all of it. And you're right, Hutton, for someone that you think of as this loose cannon you know, oil tycoon type guy who's going to fire everyone in a whim. He's not really that guy. That goes back to the whole Jimmy Johnson relationship and bringing on Barry Switzer and saying that, hey, anybody could coach the Dallas Cowboys to a Super Bowl and letting a, a Hall of Famer go. That's where that stems from. It, it's not been the case in the last 20 years or so with Jerry Jones, and he's showing that, pra- that patience once again with Mike McCarthy. Yeah, the same patience he showed uh, Jason Garrett. I will say uh, – Dak Prescott at the podium after the loss was as definitive as you could be about a head coach and paired with the quarterback. He's like, hey, if he's on the hot seat, put me there too. They both are because both have a contract that expires after the 2024 season. And as it stands now, they're both going into a lame duck season with a prove it year. They are both in that category. Will Jerry Jones put, put forth more confidence in either contract? I wouldn't. I would not. I would... Roll the dice and see what happens in 2024 with a roster that's going to be stacked and with Micah Parsons, who's going to get paid. And then there's Dan Quinn, who they'll likely lose to a head coaching job this offseason after he turned one down last year, and he's been the defensive coordinator for three years. But that defense was also a sieve against Green Bay in the postseason. It was an all-around effort, or lack thereof, in, in Big D for the postseason. I, I do think the, 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 the pressure, the, the chatter the weight of their lack of postseason success does play a role in all the buildup to that moment because it's more or less fast forward to January and prove it. Fast forward to the end of December, early January, and you have to prove it as a member of the Cowboys locker room. That's what they were doing, and when it was time to do it, they didn't do it with their best players. Even uh, CeeDee Lamb was off the mark in his connection with Dak Prescott. And the other thing, the only team to lose – uh, with the, the big favorite at home was Dallas. And they were the team that had been dominant at home. Dominant. Not just winning, but winning big. So is this the it, it for any speculation of change? No. They're going to change some things up. What happens across the roster? Who's going to be their new defensive well, coordinator when Dan Quinn leaves for a job, either in Seattle and, or he interviewed with Tennessee recently? And it's also Jerry Jones acknowledging that I, I like these guys in a contract year. I like these guys in a prove-it year. I think they're not going to wilt under that pressure. They're going to accept it the way they've acted, what they've said after the game, and they're going to go into it saying, we're about to prove everyone wrong that we're not choke artists, and that we're going to go in this and we're going to make it happen in the postseason and earn our next contract with these Dallas Cowboys. I think that's that's what Jerry Jones believes is going to happen. 
that he's not going to have two guys worrying about their future because it is a lame duck year. He's going to have two guys motivated to go earn that next big contract and go earn that money and go win a Super Bowl. That's what he believes about both McCarthy and Dak Prescott. And if he believes that, I I like that thinking going into this season. And sometimes it takes something giant to get over the hump, right? There has to be almost an exorcism of demons. You have to purge it out. You have to either blow the doors off someone in the playoffs to get there where it all happens at once or crazy circumstances lead to a comeback. I think back to the 2006 Colts. At that point in Peyton Manning's career, the knock was can't beat Brady, can't beat the Patriots, can't do it, can't win the big one, couldn't beat Florida. At Tennessee, can't get over the hump. And if you remember in that AFC championship game, at home in Indianapolis, they finally got out of the snow of Foxborough and hosted that game. And Hutton, I want to say they fell behind 24-0 or 17-0. They fell behind big in that game and mounted a furious rally and ended up winning kind of going away in that one. And I, I thought, that is how you get over the hump, that everything creeps back up in the back of your mind. Here we go again. We saw that with that opening drive for the Packers. Here we go again. Cowboys wilted. 7 nothing became 27 nothing, and the game was over at that point. But if you can have that moment and exercise the demons in a huge way, either with a comeback like that with the 2006 Colts that went on to win the Super Bowl that year and Peyton Manning, or by blowing someone out. And we're not going to know until next year at this time because the the Cowboys are going to be right there again in the playoffs with a chance to do something. It's all about doing it next year, and they're going to be doing it with two guys in a contract year. Yes, and and, and two players, uh, two men – Prescott and McCarthy, who have led the Cowboys to two NFC East division titles out of the last three seasons, three consecutive 12-win seasons, one in three, though, in the postseason with that record. You're measured by playoff success there, and they haven't had it. So they're going into 2024 currently. Neither guy has uh, a contract that lasts uh, beyond that. And maybe it's a, it's a spark, Chad. We've seen it, too. With an injury, an injury takes place at a key position. And then a backup comes in yeah. and leads that team. Trey Lance's storyline is there. It, it, can be, it can be anything other than the norm. What we've seen. And the norm for them has been falling flat on their face in the biggest moments ever since Barry Switzer won that last Super Bowl for yeah. the Cowboys. Ever since then, their postseason history has been one failure after the other. Uh, the one that I don't blame them for was, remember the Des Bryant game at Lambeau where it should have been a touchdown and they changed the rule after the yes. season? That's the one that, man, that's just where you feel snake bit. That wasn't a Cowboys issue. That was an officiating problem and one that really screwed them over. That's the only time, though, I don't, I don't put it squarely on the Cowboys' performance when we look at postseason play with this team ever since they won their last Super Bowl back in the mid-'90s. still crazy that you know, past doesn't dictate future or present. In many cases, the Packers are 6-0 and at AT&T Stadium, including that Super Bowl win uh, where Mike McCarthy uh, got that done. Packers one, one are there. the, uh, the opposite. You know, title town for a reason. They're, they've got the opposite stigma right now. More, and more, Jordan Love looks really good. He does. I, don't, I didn't think I was going to be seeing that uh, no. you know, halfway through the season. I want to say maybe the low point. Remember they had a Monday night game in Vegas? Yes. And that was just a terrible yes. offensive game. And from that moment on, Thanksgiving Day, when they blew out the Lions, it's been a completely different Packers team. It is a, a team that's won now eight of their last 11 games. Packers, Lions, NFC Championship. 
Imagine Packers that. on the road against Lions at home. And the team they got to get past is the team that has dominated that division and dominated and, them for years and years. And the team that's dominated Dallas, much like Green Bay yeah. did last weekend. Chad, uh, what dominates Longhorns fans? Um, uh, Longhorns fans are very, very triggered. And not just Longhorn fans, because we found out last <laughs> night Longhorns coach uh, Rodney Terry also triggered. So here's what happened. Last night, UCF, uh, UCF, by the way, uh, very mediocre team to start the season, and they get, now have a win over Kansas. And then a week later or so, they go on the road to Austin, Texas, and beat the Longhorns. They're basically eight in. They're down 16 <laughs> points, and then after the game, the, the downward hook em horns sign makes an appearance. You know, looking at the, the – I don't – it's kind of odd. They're doing it to each other. It's like a group celebration, but they're doing the downward hook em horns. Also looking to some Texas fans behind the bench – and uh, Rodney Terry wasn't having it, called him classless during the handshake line, uh, told them to knock it off. And then post-game, he had even more to say about downward hook'em horns. You know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, you win the right way, you lose the right way. And, you know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way. You lose the right way. You carry yourself the right way. You don't go through the handshake line or proud to get into the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that, you know, because when you do those kind of things, it looks very classless, and it also looks like you were just hoping to win. We never go into games trying to hope to win. We go into games expecting to win. So we don't act like that. You know, we expect to win. We don't jump up and down like, like we won a national championship. We sure don't step on anyone's home court deal and act crazy and try to show them up in any way. We don't do that. You know, so that's what I was angry about. And I was letting those guys know you don't do that. You know, you guys won. Hey, we shake, you know, shake your hand, tip our hat to you. But we're not going to let you act that way in our building. You're not going to do that. You're not going to put your horns down and do all that nonsense. I mean, this is the ultimate level of disrespect to any Texas Longhorn. It's unbelievable. It is incredible. It is the, it's like the physical manifestation. It's the same to them. If you were to just hock a loogie in someone's face, if you do the downward hook em horns, this is perceived as like a Heil Hitler salute to Texas fans. If you dare to put down the Longhorns the opposite way of the way they think it should go and, and do that to them. It's madness. I've witnessed it. it is, You've seen it too. It is madness. Vince Young got into a tequila-fueled fight with people for simply doing the downward hook em horns to him at one point when he was the Tennessee Titans quarterback. I mean, it is crazy the way people in Texas respond to this gesture. And it's dumb. Okay? It's dumb to allow something that minuscule to affect you mentally in this way. If you want people to stop doing this, if you find it silly or whatever, stop reacting to it and people will stop. The reason this continues is because you get so triggered by the downward hook em horns. When you stop giving it significance and weight, people will stop doing it and you'll stop seeing things like this when some team comes into your building and wins the game. It's so dumb. We run across this, Hutton, if you remember, Keith Bullock, our buddy, stopped on a terrible towel back in the day. And I remember having countless shows with Steelers fans calling in, acting like that damn yellow towel were the Dead Sea Scrolls yes, yes. that he stomped on after the game. And I'm thinking, it's a towel that you hand out to fans for free when they come to the game. Because in celebration, he grabbed a towel, threw it on the ground, and stomped on it, is not the end of the world. 
if you want people to stop, quote unquote, disrespecting you in this way, stop giving it so much credence. Who cares? Just like you can do the upward hook'em sign whenever you want in celebration, and that's not disrespectful to the rest of America. If someone wants to do a downward hook'em horn sign to you, just move on and deal with it. Now, one thing I'll agree with Rodney Terry about, and, and if I'm Johnny Dawkins and, and Central Florida's staff, I'd say, hey, let's just not. Any celebration, nothing to do with the downward hook'em horns, but you don't need to be you know, mocking the fans and making a scene as we're shaking their hands. If you want to celebrate afterward, whatever, but like this is the time to show some respect, shake hands, get out of there. I understand what he's saying ultimately, but the real crux of this, Hutton, and we know it, is what they did, and that's the downward hook'em well, horns. Well, it's, uh, it's like the middle finger, I guess, but I don't even know if the, the, if the coach – would he would Terry have the same reaction if it was a middle finger instead of the downward hook'em horns? I don't know because of how they react to this. It's like um, it's like it's like going to the going to midfield and standing or, or stopping or dancing on the logo times a hundred to them. You yeah. know, would they react the same way if you did this at the fifty yard line at their home stadium? Yeah, probably. But anywhere else, no. I mean, it's, it's like the Ravens took, it, took offense to the Titans doing this in warm-ups. Uh, and then did it to them, right? But the, the difference is you can't, there's no payback for it because really no one else is, <laughs> is this triggered over their slogan or their, their signal being, you know, desecrated in this manner. Well, I mean, if they're just doing like, you know, just getting pumped and yelling at each other and yelling at the fans, does Rodney Terry react that way? I don't think he does. See, I think... I think it's because five or six of the guys were in unison doing the downward hook'em horns deal. I mean, the Sooners do it all the time, don't they? They score a touchdown and they're doing it. Well, I mean, it sets the, off the, fights. The Big 12 made this a personal foul. Yeah, which is stupid. You know? Because of how, how this made everyone Is it go. also... Uh, Although the Big 12 would do it to them Is now. it a personal foul when... Teams like you know mockingly do the Gator chomp. I think it when is. they do something against it's against like excessive, Florida, yeah, it's like a, a taunting. Well, then take away the Gator chomp too. Florida, I don't, I don't like anything that it sets in. it up where one team is allowed to do it in celebration. But if you put a spin on it in any way or reverse it with what they're allowed to do, oh, now it's that's treated like a throat. How, how dare you, you know, mock the Gator chomp? I mean, this is something. That's gone on for generations. Like, we cannot mess with the, the hook'em horns. How dare you? I am outraged that you would dare to take a hook'em horns and then just turn your wrist down and do it that way. I mean, we can't have that in the Big 12. This is part of the reason the Big 12 hates Texas, by the way, is because Texas fans treating this thing that way and well, the way the Big 12 office treats it when you do it at Texas players. And in games. And it's part of the but reason I, that they're probably happy, a lot of them, that they're gone to the SEC. Well, I think the Big 12 loved it whenever they're bringing in the income. So it was like, oh, yeah, yes, we cannot, we cannot mess oh, with them. Oh, I'm saying the and Big now, 12 teams and fans uh, oh, around the Big 12 hate that part and, of it. And I'm saying that now the, uh, the Big 12, I think, in general, would give them the downward hook'em horns. Yes. As a conference. Uh, maybe they'll make that their new uh, conference hand I, gesture. I think uh, Brett Yormark actually did that at that Texas have, Tech rally. You've got had, the downward hook horns underneath the Big remember 12 he logo. Said, I, we all know what needs to happen when they come to Lubbock. Remember he had the big pep talk? <laughs> yes. Uh, he may have ended it with a downward hook and horn. Thank God that thing's not on video. The quarterback club. I don't think Texas fans would recover if that was on video of the Big 12 commissioner daring to do a downward hook and horns. I don't know of a quarterback club speech that's not on video, though. When you go, you're just someone's assuming gotta on camera. Be, someone's got to be. There's more breaking that news out board. of a quarterback club luncheon than. The but again, Texas fan, and I, I'm not anti-Texas fans. I have oh, no yeah. attachment 
or detachment from Texas one way or the other. I, I do not care about Texas. Grew up in Tennessee. Um, I have nothing uh, bad to say about Texas or the Longhorns. The one bad thing I'll say is you have to stop treating this thing like the ultimate insult of humanity. It is not a slur. It is a stupid hand gesture that's just like anyone doing a stupid hand gesture to anyone else. You cannot allow this to have power over you to this extent. Rodney Terry included in this. Don't let something this dumb have this level of power over you. The moment you stop caring about it is the moment people will stop doing it to you. Well, you know, you know that's... He has to care about it because the fans care so much about it. If he didn't put up a fight, that would be the reaction. The reaction would be the same way to him. You're going to stand there and let those players do that. It's like what? What do we say? What would the the shove the other night that we saw from Nate Oates? Yeah. Like the reaction from any coach in the opposite huddle has to be different than what we saw, which was, I guess, nothing from Gates. Well, it's uh, it's you, know, um, you have to. There's a. And, a and Dan symbolic was right. reaction to it. Dan Dockage is right about this. You don't ever want to escalate anything, right? And he said that oh. that's the risk there is what what if one of those other guys comes in and shoves Nate Oates at that point that's after right. he shoves a player? What if that guy gets back in his face and then you're surrounded by Alabama basketball players and and these two Missouri well, guys, I'm right? And then also, a fight breaks out. Think about the the, the non reaction, the lack of one, and it, I mean should it be pra- it should be praised from the Bama crowd. You want to talk about the reaction, no matter what reaction it, that would have incited more, it would have been Bama as the headline. Bama basketball after last year, and then doing this with Nate Oates involved, that would have been the massive headline. Well, and, and thank God that none of the, you know, and, and we saw the video of it, none of the, and you could hear exactly what Rodney Terry was saying. He's calling all of them classless and to yeah. stop it and knock it off. I, I think it's, it's, it's not usually a good move to talk to anyone else's players. You know, you let the head coach deal with that. If you want to go talk to the assistant or head coach, right. but, hey, I don't appreciate your guys doing that, and you want to say something to them about it, if they want to address the team, fine. They can go and do that in the locker room with their team or apologize to you as the coach. Whenever you inject yourself into it and start going off on other another coach's players and yelling at them in that way, you're putting yourself at risk to escalate a situation that doesn't need to be escalated. Kudos to the UCF players, not the ones who did the hook'em horns thing. I'm, I'm, I'm with Rodney Terry. Just let, do that in the locker room amongst yourselves, whatever. You don't want to disrespect an opponent yeah. in that moment. I understand what he's saying, but thank God they didn't say anything back to Rodney Terry. They just shut up. They just shut up and started doing the handshake line once the other coach was yelling at them, and it did not escalate for that very reason. Chad, um, we finally have some news on Mike Vrabel earlier today. News came down that he is uh, – He's in Los Angeles interviewing with the Los Angeles Chargers. It's the first known interview that we know of for the former Titans head coach. It's been all quiet on his front to the point where many are expecting at this point that he may just take a year off, catch up on a little rest, pick and choose where he wants to go. But what I know is the guy is a ball coach. He loves coaching football. I don't, I don't think that he actually wants to sit back and take a year off. He wants the right gig. And we've said this earlier in the week. He is, he is prime for a drop-in, change of culture, change of team attitude, but also win more than what you have just done, as long as the setup is, is exactly what it is. The Chargers fit that mold. Dallas would fit that mold. Philadelphia. 
Pittsburgh. There was a handful of, uh, up there. Or if you're going through the rebuild as the first-time coach in a rebuild, which he didn't sign up for with the Titans, which is why he's gone, he would do it his way, build the organization his way. That would have been in New England. New England goes with who was under contract um, at, with Gerard Mayo. But Chad, it, this is indication that, yes, he does want to coach. Yes, he wants the setup that's going to be in, in his lane. And with there being a lack of general manager there, that would be in his lane currently. And also, the roster is set with defensive expectations that have been horrific. The roster is set with plenty of talent on the defensive side of the ball to improve and a quarterback that you can roll with and win with. That's a great spot for him. Vegas, it's a, Vegas it's a great is spot, also but I feel like their number one choice is Jim Harbaugh. But Harbaugh, see, Harbaugh is also interviewing now, in, uh, or it has in Atlanta. Well, Atlanta's got Bill Belichick, according to Josina Anderson, uh, who's they, reporting today that he, it's his job. He's having his second well, interview, and they're just closing things up. Well, they can close it up, but it depends on it, – it, it, what is Harbaugh going to do? Is he, is he told them that he's going to Los Angeles? Because I think it's interesting that L.A. has now turned to go, to go with Rabel for the interview. Yeah. Rabel's going to be a good interview. He's going mean, He's confident. He's the alpha in the room. Uh, it doesn't sound like the the ownership that's there is much of the an alpha over anything going on with uh, what Vrabel would bring to the table. I think he he he's a great salesman. They also for what apparently he don't like alphas, considering they hired Brandon Staley. But yeah, but they they they, they, they actually they turned them off. They, they, maybe the biggest that may be fair. The biggest. Uh, the biggest thing going for what they're what the Spanos family is doing there is, uh, well, they're actually going to spend money on an uh, the owner's going to spend money on a head coach for the first time in a while. That's what it looks like. And if it's Mike Vrabel, if it's Jim Harbaugh, they're going with the guy who's going to be the alpha of the organization. It's the yeah. anti Brandon Staley. Yeah, and I'm just trying to you know again we're trying to sift through the musical chairs part of this. If the Josina Anderson report is true, and there's everyone else now, Ian Rappaport. Everyone yeah. confirming there is a second conversation taking place in person with Bill Belichick and, and Arthur Blank, and things are heading in that direction for Atlanta. Um, if that's true, I do think the Chargers have probably shown their hand in terms of their pecking order. So I think it is Harbaugh, then Vrabel. Yeah. So then it becomes a Harbaugh decision. Does he want to go to the Chargers or – interview with other places, stay at Michigan, whatever it may be. The Vrabel piece to this is very interesting. I'm glad that we finally have news about this meeting with the Chargers because my assumption was the way Mike Vrabel is covered by the league and everyone who talks to – and I'm not saying these are people just throwing it out there. They have sources around the league. They talk to people in front offices. They know how Mike Vrabel is viewed by other teams. But something's not lining up here that this is the one place he's gone and one interview he's had. I assumed we'd immediately get reports that every available job would be calling Mike Vrabel to interview, to come and talk to them about their head coaching job. And so far we've had one place, exactly one spot, that he's been linked to, and that's the Chargers, who were linked to Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh before Mike Vrabel. And Vrabel wasn't supposed to even be available for those, for those rumors whenever they're mentioning uh, Belichick as a possible trade option. Harbaugh was always connected to Los Angeles. Um, Vrabel was always connected to New England. I think that was also the big surprise, is the Titans didn't trade him. They let him go, and he was going to waltz in New England if he wanted to. And then everyone found out about the contracts that Mayo had. And uh, Kraft going with Gerard Mayo, who had a, a, a solid presser 
in his introductory presser in Foxborough. Um, Chad, let me throw a what if, though. Here. By the way, you can really see, speaking of Mayo, why the Patriots thought so highly of him. To me, after no, the press and the conference, players, all the play, why he stuck around for so many years. Well, just the way he handled himself, and he's not some pushover. Like he wasn't no, some, no. you know, knee slapping. He was joke ready for the everything. Yeah, I mean, he. Uh, well, he even told one of the reporters, like, "Well, that's four questions you just asked. So, what's the first one again?" And then barely answered the first one. I'm like, "Well, there's a little bit of Belichick in him that he just seems a little bit annoyed that someone got the mic and asked four questions when they're supposed to ask one, and he said something to him. So you can see." Personality-wise, very different, but some similar trademarks of what he wants as a coach and as a team to Belichick. I also think Vrabel, let's throw a what if. What if Vrabel lands the Chargers job? What happens to Jim Harbaugh? If Belichick's in Atlanta, Vrabel's in with the Chargers. Washington. Washington, maybe Seattle. However, Seattle's got strong general manager uh, authority. Um, I don't think that runs Vrabel off, by the way. I think Seattle could also be in the mix for Mike Vrabel uh, because I think Vrabel would rather report to a general manager that he's in lockstep with than an owner that he's not. But does Harbaugh somehow not land a gig in the NFL? Is that possible? I think it's way more likely Mike Vrabel doesn't than, than Jim Harbaugh. Well, I think it'd be more up to Vrabel, though. I think it's up Harbaugh. to Harbaugh. I, mean, I really think Harbaugh, it's, it's the Chargers' job. It's his if he wants it, but if he doesn't want that, then there's got to be something else out there. Either I, I will be shocked if he stays at Michigan, but that clearly is an option. He could sign that gigantic contract that says he'll never interview for the NFL again and stay at Michigan if he wanted to. That's certainly a choice that he has to make, but I see Washington as a possibility. I, I don't know. The, the musical chair is going to be very interesting. Um, you got... Uh, Bill Callahan's son, Brian Callahan, interviewing twice now with the Titans. Yep. I saw that there's a second uh, interview request in Carolina with Brian Callahan also. So he's a name that's quickly emerging as one of the I, – I feel like a guy who's probably going to get one of these gigs when all is said and done. So it's getting interesting. And then you've, we still don't have all that post-division round coaches that are going to be available right, to talk to teams once that, uh, once what, that round starts up. Yeah, teams are, are waiting on that too. Uh, it seems outside of what Atlanta's done, which they, I don't know if they requested a single interview from anyone that was currently under a, uh, a contract. And uh, same goes for the Chargers, who they seem to be locked in on one of the two candidates. Uh, Chad, the coaches that are currently in the, in the postseason, they can't interview, can't even do a Zoom until after this weekend. This weekend, though, from a team perspective, from a quarterback perspective, we've got a lot of hype over what we've seen from the wild card weekend. Jordan Love deserves all the credit that he just did and what he what he did with the quarterback rating. He put up a, a near perfect performance uh, against Dallas. Uh, looking around at Jared Goff coming through in the clutch moments in a great game, game of the year between the Lions and the Rams. Looking uh, through what Baker Mayfield has done to lead this group. And looking at the first round picks And some of the names that have been in multiple spots, the number one overall picks that have been traded away from their current teams, Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff. Patrick Mahomes is 1,000 less yards passing this season, 12 fewer touchdowns this season. And he heads to Buffalo where Josh Allen is leading his team and the Bills roster, who many don't want to face in the postseason, at home 
after a great comeback in the second half of the season. The storyline that I think that everyone's overlooking is Brock Purdy. And what happened last year when he took over, goes 7-0 in the regular season, leads his team into the postseason, gets hurt in Philadelphia, and the rest is history. San Francisco going into the offseason, then immediately through the elbow surgery, says that, yeah, he's the starter. John Lynch wasn't even quiet about it. Shanahan either, saying that, yeah, Brock Purdy's the starter. Uh, he's the presumed starter. He's going to be ready for the season. Many people raise an eyebrow to it thinking he would not be ready, and he was. And they did that behind Trey Lance and after signing Sam Darnold because there seemed to be some uncertainty, just like there was in that postseason game, about who's going to play QB. They end up trading Lance away. Sam Darnold is a serviceable backup, but nothing special. That's what we've seen through his career. And there's Brock Purdy, who hit a bump in the road midway through the season, a three-game losing skid, where everyone's shouting from the rooftops, we told you he's not elite. We told you he's not elite. No one was shouting that he was elite. He's just been a winner. He's been a hell of a storyline. Um, and by all accounts, an incredible person behind the scenes. And here he is with it, with it playing out right in front of us, hosting the divisional round with the San Francisco 49ers looking to get back to another NFC championship game behind the final pick in the NFL draft, behind a player who at the position where he's not eligible for a contract extension until after next season. And the best story going in the playoffs remains him, remains his path and what he's done. Setting records with passing yards, what we've seen through his completion percentage, the players around him, uh, where he's getting more credit than Christian McCaffrey in many circles, even though he's even saying that Christian McCaffrey deserves the MVP honors, not him. And he still has his doubters. I mean, how, how could he not, given where he was drafted and uh, his pecking order on the depth chart at the time? But his pecking, pecking order now to me is number one. Number one story in the playoffs. Because if he does what everyone expects San Francisco to do, which is reach the Super Bowl, what happens when he's on that biggest stage and when he wins? Because once he wins, no one's going to doubt him anymore. And if you're really just being honest with yourself, we put the graphic back up. Look at the quarterbacks. How many quarterbacks do you really believe win the Super Bowl right now? There's Lamar Jackson, who's running it back for another MVP. Patrick Mahomes has been there, done that. No one's going to doubt him. Josh Allen is on this list because we expect Josh Allen to show greatness, and this is his year to grab it. But beyond that... There's a lot of players who are either a year ahead or really good, but maybe not ready for everyone to just point to and say, they're the guy. Or it's a great story. They're, they're capable of having an unbelievable performance, but you really just have doubts. I don't doubt Brock Purdy. I don't doubt San Francisco, and he's on that list. And for me, he's the number one player on the list that deserves all the hype right now. We've forgotten about San Francisco because they've locked up this spot weeks ago. Now they get a chance to host Green Bay, not Dallas, and they don't have to go through the Cowboys like they have in previous postseasons. They've got the seventh, they've got the seventh seed, and here they are looking ahead. I bet they don't look ahead, but they're looking ahead to Detroit, Tampa. Brock Purdy's got it right in front of him, laid out. Time for him to grab it, just like I said that. Uh, Josh Allen should be doing the same. Well said, Hutton. And, and looking at that list, we'll, we'll show it one more time. There's a pairing for everything except for Brock Purdy. 
Brock Purdy yep. is in that list of his own. Here are the groupings. You've got superstars, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Yep. You've got young gun, rookie quarterbacks. I know Jordan Love's not a rookie, but he is a rookie. It's his first year to be the full-time starter. Jordan Love, C.J. Stroud. You've got redemption stories, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff in that category. Then the outlier of this group is Brock Purdy, seventh-round pick who became an MVP candidate for a superstar roster that has been knocking on the door to win the Super Bowl, that all they need to do now is kick in the door and go and do it. And Purdy is in a group of his own with these eight remaining quarterbacks. It's been a bad year for quarterbacks. It's been a bad year for offense in general. This is a, a, a compelling group of guys that are left. Down the list of those groups that I just laid out there, it's a compelling group that's left playing football right now. And I'm, I'm here to say, I don't expect... so. I do expect Green Bay to play well. They've been playing well. Eight of their last 11. I don't think that Jordan Love shows up and is a dud. But I also don't think that the 49ers get hit in the mouth and can't respond the way Dallas did. This could end up being one hell of a game. And I don't think it's going to be a dud because of anything that San Francisco is going to do. Um, I think they'll show up. And to beat them, Green Bay's got to bring what they just brought to Dallas. And if they do... More power to it. They can win the game. They can win the game. Chad, I know you, you've got them in the NFC Championship. They can absolutely win the game. Well, I don't have them there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just I'm previewing what would be an amazing story. It's a hell of a if story. If that's the Lions having to get past the Packers to go to a Super Bowl. But the, Li- the Lions 49ers is a matchup I want to see. Yeah, I think it's going to be the 49ers winning that game. But and, the Packers surprised the hell out of me this last round. Why not again? And that defense is, is – they got some playmakers. They don't have a ton of big names across that roster. But um, Romeo Dobbs is emerging as a star. They, they've got some dudes on that Packers roster. So I'm, I'm excited to watch that game. I'm with you. I think it could be very good. I think the 49ers likely win at home, but it, it could be another good one. And then on the other side, can Houston, can Houston be the surprise team like Green Bay's been? They, they were surprised by the, the final score against Cleveland. Can they go on the road and beat the number one seed on that side? Because then you have C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love ascend to the level that Brock Purdy was going into the postseason with well, last Lamar year. Lamar Jackson's another one. He's got a ton of proving to He's do. He's got to do it. He's got to do something in the playoffs. That, yep. that has been what he has not been able to accomplish. His one win came on the road. He's done a lot of other great things throughout his career. He's got to go show that he can win in the playoffs when it matters most. He hasn't done that yet. Coaching storylines and matchups for the divisional round of the playoffs. Armando Salguero joins us next on Hotline. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. 
from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on across the Outkick network. Outkick.com slash watch is where you can see the live programming. While you're there, stop by the shop, shop.outkick.com. But click on the watch tab up there, and well, you get all the programming live. And on demand, you can see the full shows there, plus on demand and clips and more at our YouTube channel, where you can find the five spots, as well as uh, the podcast with uh, Armando and uh, Donovan McNabb at Outkick.com. Armando may be our one guest this week who's not covered in snow, as we're talking Maybe to not. them. The only one in America not covered up in snow right Armando, now. Armando, how are you? I'm warm. Well, it's good. Good for you. Good for you. I live- I live in the Republic of Florida where sunshine and no taxes is the order of the day. It's a safe haven, that Florida. Warm, safe haven of Florida. Safe haven in Dallas for Mike McCarthy, at least for one more season. Um, Are you surprised that Jerry Jones stuck with McCarthy for another season? It's a final year of his contract, but the statement rings as though it wasn't a very hard decision for him with the winning percentage, the success, and who he believes is going to take them to the next level. Am I surprised that Jerry Jones made a mistake? No, I'm not surprised that he made a mistake. Uh, The idea that the statement says that this was never an issue, this was never, uh, you know, you're never going to get judged for one game. Well, you could have said that after the game when you were talking about how you never expected to lose, how you never in your history uh, were as surprised as you were in that moment. And you, you could have said it the following day when you're normally scheduled to be on the radio in Dallas and you bagged out, you, you decided not to do it. So the idea that this was never an issue, I don't think I buy that gentlemen. Why do you think he showed so much patience with them? He did it. He did it with Jason Garrett too. Um, I would have to look back on the patience that I, I gave then and compare it to now and just think of the ceiling. I, 12 wins in three straight years is tough to just move on from, I know. But for an owner that isn't getting any younger and an owner that is, we certainly know the level of expectation in Dallas and the pressure that's on anyone that comes through those doors to win and win big, you're judged on the postseason. And to me, I, I would have to know what I just did and went through and where I am sitting currently. Those are all great questions that Jerry Jones has not answered. My assumption is that he has looked at the market, right? That he has looked at the possibilities, or at least did, and decided that he was more comfortable not going through the exercise of ad, you know, of going with Bill Belichick, who is at times difficult, or a Jim Harbaugh, who is a weirdo. Or Mike Vrabel, who may or may not be any better than 
Mike McCarthy in the postseason because he really hasn't been any better than Mike McCarthy in the postseason and decided I'm going to stay the course and see what happens. The The problem is that, is that he is indeed 81 years old and he is going to find himself here next year in a similar circumstance because his team next year is likely to be about the same as this year. They can't go out and add a ton of talent because their salary cap prevents it. They don't have a ton of first-round draft picks, and they're likely to lose their defensive coordinator in the, the head coaching cycle. So how does that translate with the same head coach to a higher ceiling and reaching it? I don't see it. I'm sorry. I just... I, I, I'm I'm flabbergasted. It's, it's I agree with you. It's fun this time of year, especially with this many openings, Armando, of trying to play NFL matchmaker. Job candidate with job and why it makes sense. Bill Belichick and the Atlanta Falcons. If you're <coughs> playing matchmaker, what makes sense about those two being matched up right now? To me, the the coach that makes sense in Atlanta is Vrabel. Uh, of all the candidates that they've looked at, um, he's the guy that I would, you know, go with in Atlanta. Uh, Belichick is getting a second, I was going to say a second opinion, a second interview with the Falcons. And, and that's good, you know, but he is going to have to work with Terry Fontenot, the general manager. He is going to be under Rich McKay, who is the team president. Uh, it, it's Robert Kraft could have done that and decided that I don't want to deal with that. That brings problems when you don't know whose responsibility, what move is and who is for it and who's against it and what who breaks ties when, when people are not aligned. Robert Kraft didn't want to do that. Apparently, you know, Arthur Blank is more open to that idea. I will say this, and I said it on the five spot this morning. Uh, the Falcons have made a terrible, terrible mistake because you look at their candidates that they have told people that they've already spoken to. Harbaugh, Belichick, Anthony Weaver from Baltimore, Hiro Ivero, Steve Wilkes, Brian Callahan, Mike Mc. Donald from the Ravens. I, you know, they're going to interview uh, Vrabel instead. And I am saying this real clear. If they don't hire Harbaugh, if they don't hire Belichick, perhaps Vrabel, it's going to be a tremendous disappointment to the fan base if they hire one of these other guys who are unproven, who haven't won anything as far as uh, from a head coaching standpoint, because they're all going to say, wait, you didn't hire the guy with six Super Bowls, but you hired a hero Ivero, or you didn't win. You didn't hire the guy who won the national championship, but you hired Anthony Weaver. It's a PR disaster waiting to happen. If the Falcons go in the direction of, the hot or the unknown commodity. Armando Salguero with us on Hot Mike here at Outkick.com. So uh, there are some massive moments 
for the careers of two quarterbacks this weekend. Uh, one, though, that I think affects the, the, the overall legacy of how we'll view him. Um, and I, I don't throw that out there lightly because I think that's way overused. But Josh Allen, I was going to say well, Lamar Jackson, too. It's time for him to win. But Josh Allen head-to-head against Patrick Mahomes. This is the game to get past the Kansas City Chiefs. If, they, if, if Kansas City goes to Buffalo and wins this game in a year where the offense is barely scoring an average of three touchdowns, uh, if they go to Buffalo and win this game over Josh Allen and Allen doesn't play up to the standard that everyone expects him to, this is how the, the tide will turn on the perception of the quarterback. Am I wrong here? Because th- there's a lot riding on how I will perceive the quarterback in Buffalo compared to what I have done in preseason's pass and all the hype. If you're speaking in the present tense, you're absolutely correct. But remember, Josh Allen lays an egg and comes back next year and wins the Super Bowl? Uh, sure. Who cares? Uh, but he lays an egg. And for the next 12 months, it's going to be, Josh, you were amazing in the 2022 playoffs. You threw nine touchdown passes, zero interceptions. The only reason you lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City is because they had this miraculous, improbable, unexpected 13-second drive against your defense. You were great. They lost the game. If Josh Allen lays an egg this weekend, it's you've regressed. That was your height. You are now less than that. And what's going on, brother? Because you weren't great last uh, postseason when you lost to the Cincinnati Bengals at home. So far this postseason, Josh Allen has thrown three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's on the way to being 2022 good, but it's a continuing thing. You have to perform this weekend to stay on, you know, that ascent. And then from Kansas City's perspective, Armando, I mean, this is a season where Mahomes has thrown for a thousand less passing yards than a season ago, 12 fewer touchdowns in the regular season, but the rest for Kelsey, what we saw them do last week, but also the fact that it's Mahomes I, I cannot count them out despite the fact that I, I really want to. I really want to look at this Kansas City team on the road for the first time where Mahomes plays a postseason game other than the neutral site Super Bowl and say, yeah, this just isn't that Chiefs team. But it is Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey, and Andy Reid. I don't know if anyone's truly doubting that trio. It might not be that Chiefs team, but this Chiefs team has something that Chiefs team didn't have. And that is an amazing defense. They are very good. They might be the best defense. And yeah, I said it, the best defense left in the playoffs. And I know San Francisco and I know Baltimore and all that. They might be the best defense left in the playoffs. They made the Miami Dolphins look like a triple A team on offense. And they did it twice this year. It's not a mistake. Uh, they, they've played great defense throughout. It hasn't been. The offense has been up and down. The defense has been great throughout. And that's the reason that they are really at that game. The Chiefs used to have to score 35, 32, 33 to win games. That defense, they only have to score 21, 24 to win games now. And it's a good thing because the offense isn't at that level anymore. 
Cleveland Browns have a great defense. We saw what Houston did to them uh, last weekend. Now they travel to Baltimore where it's Lamar Jackson and company have won one postseason game. It was against the Titans uh, in a divisional round here. What, what does this mean for Lamar Jackson where he's going for his second MVP, the Ravens team that when he gets to this point, they're not the Dallas Cowboys, but I mean, all eyes will be on them to win this game against the, the Houston Texans who won the AFC South with a rookie quarterback who's playing great. It's also time for Lamar and company to do some damage this time of year. Absolutely. And I believe they will, <laughs> to be very frank yeah. with you, uh, because Lamar does something and the Ravens do something that is built for this time of year. Lamar, if he has a bad day throwing the ball, has the changeup. <laughs> he, you know, his fastball is as a passer and as a pocket passer. He also has the curve, the slider, and, you know, all the other pitches when he gets out of the pocket and runs. Uh, I, dude, I just threw, I threw like two sports at you guys all at the same time. We love that. Keep us on our toes. Only myself. But, but you see, so they have that and they have a very good running game and they have, you know, a very outstanding defense as well. Um, I love the Houston Texans. I wish that they were fully um, healthy. They're not. That team is going to be something in the next few years. If they, you know, if they can continue on the same, you know, trajectory as what they have right now. Just now, Diana Rossini also reporting Mike Vrabel set to interview with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, uh, Armando's pick for him next week, and currently in the process of setting up an interview with the Seattle Seahawks. Those are the three teams that have contacted him about interviewing for the job as of now. Armando, here we are getting ready for the divisional round of the playoffs. I don't think we've asked you a single Tampa Bay Buccaneers question all year. They were in that terrible division. Baker Mayfield did some nice things throughout the year. They're 9-8, and eight, but they get to host a playoff game, and here they are routing the Philadelphia Eagles in that game and now getting set for a, a trip to Detroit. Every show is asking about Detroit and talking about Detroit. That's why people come to this show, Armando, when you join us, because I get to ask you about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield and his and their side of this story what do you think about these Bucks and their chances of going to Detroit and getting to the NFC Championship game? My favorite, my favorite moment of this entire week, favorite right football, life, anything, Say it. was when a reporter oh. in <laughs> Todd Bowles' press conference uh, said to him, Coach, um, you obviously practice here. It's it's Florida, Tampa. It's warm. <laughs> it's raining. You're going to Detroit. Uh, it's really cold there. What are you doing to make up for the elements and, and, and answer the elements and be ready for the elements? With the exact temperature, by the way. The reporter had the temperature forecasted uh, for game day in Detroit, ready to go. <laughs> Like minus two or something yeah. like that. And Todd Bowles just sits there for this awkward pause and he goes, You know the game's indoors, right? <laughs> and and then said they something do play about in the dome. you know, it's it we're gonna be cold for a few seconds when we get off the bus and walk into the stadium, but I think we'll be okay. 
20 seconds. We're going to take a 20 second walk from the bus to the tunnel and we'll be fine. And that was my favorite moment of the entire week. Media doing, you know, itself ill. Um, Tampa's a nice team. They're, 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 they're a fun team to like because nobody expects anything out of them. Baker Mayfield is a good, you know, recapture the, the magic type of story. A rookie offensive coordinator. And Todd Bowles is a great guy. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, he will light Jared Goff up. That's going to be 90% blitzes on passes. Armando, always great to catch up. Just real quick, we've got about 30 seconds. Uh, San Francisco and Green Bay, what do you expect? I expect uh, Jordan Love to continue to play well. I expect the San Francisco 49ers, they just got too much. Um, you know, now next week we can talk about how Green Bay was great and I suck. But for now, <laughs> we're all picking I think San, Fran San Francisco's too. great. Also great, the five spot with Donovan McNabb and Armando yes, Salguero, outkick.com to find that. Uh, check that out uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, available for you uh, tomorrow. Armando. Have a great football weekend. Can't wait to catch up and preview the championship games next week with you. There he is. Armando Salguero, Outkick.com's senior NFL Hope reporter. Hope he enjoys that weather. That's right. Uh, yeah, so thanks heading up for Brable. Belichick three getting spots, a second three interview. Spots. Gearing up for a second interview with Atlanta, but Atlanta already scheduling a chat with Mike Vrabel as well for next week. So, yeah, everyone's waiting on the divisional rounds to wrap up. Then the candidates like Ben Johnson and company. Uh, Bobby Slowick, all of them will crank up and start visiting and that, chatting with teams again. Extra special time of year, Hutton. We love That's it. Right. Chad, uh, solid show today. Yeah, fun. We're back at it tomorrow where we will preview all things NFL postseason. I think we need a 14 parlay. What do you say? Time to win. Let's make it eight. Why not? Let's go double big. Double spread. Go big or go home. Let's double all the spreads. First Let's make time. it an eight-leg parlay. Let's win. First touchdown in each game and then – Spread. I, I want to recreate my Phil Mickelson bet of winning the PGA Championship that year he did it. Let's do I, it. I've been searching for that bet ever since. Still, Haven't hit it yet. You're still wagering Haven't off of those Haven't hit legs. it, but that eight-leg parlay for the divisional round, that's going to hit it. Back at it tomorrow. Hope you'll join us. 4 o'clock Eastern right here for Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network and Outkick.com.